The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. From last Wednesday's foundation-shaking announcement. Chuck Oliver Show on a Tuesday. And we are a week on from Nick Saban. I'm, I'm done. We are a week beyond that now. And there has been all manner of huge headlines that have followed since Nick Saban gave the granddaddy of them all. I'm retiring. Uh, And by the way, have you seen much speculation beyond he's going to do some commercials and some studio work? Have you seen any? You're supposed to see some speculation, aren't you? Jimmy Johnson retired, and I kept seeing... I bet Jimmy Johnson was 10 years done with the NFL, and I was still seeing his name. Troy Aikman's too. Um, And I mean to go play quarterback. We just can't let stuff go. I haven't seen any speculation. You talk about a man who, like, is that the most unintentional? I always say unintentional is always the most revealing. Is that the most unintentional compliment of respect to Nick Saban? He said he's retiring. We believe him. He's gone from the guy who's, I'm not leaving the Dolphins, you liar, to he said, I'm done. He could be employed 15 places tomorrow with a whistle and a clipboard. He's like, nah, I'm done. And we all believe him. So since then, we have seen in rapid succession all around college football, I'm staying because I got broke off. I'm staying because I'm G'd up. I'm staying because this is just the right spot for me. Then we saw the announcement come not from Oregon or Texas or Florida State or anywhere else. We saw it come from Bama. We got a coach. Then Kalen DeBoer has started putting together his staff. Uh, We talked, I guess, on Friday about Ryan Grubb and I'm not getting the Washington job. So, you know what? I think I would like to follow up my head coach that's what we were talking about on friday we can talk about now on monday or excuse me tuesday that kane womack i think this is official now depending on the time we air uh i think this is official and i always say until i see it from the human or the school i it's it's whatever it's a media rep- can i give you another example of that <laughs> one of those coming up kane womack is now going to be the dc apparently for Alabama, and I don't know if that's been officially announced, but it's happening. Heath, have you seen that? Is there have we seen a press conference? Does he have the correct colored tie yet? I don't believe they put out any releases yet, but it's very clear that's where it's going. 
Yeah, that's done. And so he's going to go from a pretty good salary to a really awesome salary and access to unbelievable players. So we have seen rapid succession since Nick Saban said done. It is almost like every single day, monster headline, monster headline. Hadn't there been one thing missing since Nick Saban retired? Isn't there supposed to be more of a yay us coming from Auburn? Nick Saban quit. That's supposed to be Christmas, New Year's Eve, 4th of July, Tet, like every holiday, Arbor Day, all wrapped into one. And then buttercream icing and sprinkles and a giant fat candle on the top. That's supposed to be the cupcake you're eating in Auburn. Apparently, they did roll the trees. There was some cross-pollination between a uh, basketball victory over Arkansas, perhaps. Heath will fact-check that. But whatever it was, there was some sort of wonderment about how much of the, oh, no, that's fresh. Okay. So it wasn't even to the level of, I don't know, I've seen the, I've seen Tumor's Corner rolled. I've seen the aftermath, excuse me, of Tumor's Corner after huge events that did not involve the Auburn football team just finishing a victory. I saw pictures of when Bo won the Heisman. Same thing with Cam. Auburn didn't play a game that day. Nick Saban quitting? Uh, I don't know. Supposed to be a party. What has been way, way more consistent coming out of Auburn is turnover and uncertainty. And I will say, see, I'm going to put the most positive spin, and this may actually be true, the most positive spin possible on this. It may, I said, concern uncertainty all maybe getting it right maybe that's what we've seen coming out of auburn over the last what is today january 16th how about since the bowl game bowl game did y'all watch the auburn maryland auburn was very not good um specifically on offense that day they were very very not good so montgomery gets whacked outright ron roberts and i remember when that happened i was like we're choosing language here you can say anything you want they're like no he's fired i was like all right Made it clear to me that Hugh is one of those guys looked around and was like, no, I got to be in charge. Not only involved, it's my team. I got to, it's my offense. I'm going to be in charge. And he should be. Lane should be. Gus should be. Chip Kelly. Like, there are certain coaches, brah, why do you think you're here? It's not the banquet circuit. So go, go coach. And Hugh Freeze. There's a by God, and you kind of look around and you pause for a second and say, I'm going to run. The, and so that's what he had. He had that moment. Well, Ron Robert, when they announced they were firing Phil Montgomery, I was like, what's, the, what's up with Roberts? Because I'd heard that wasn't so, you know, super duper. And it turns out the official language was, and I don't I say official language. It was just a bad fit from the start. Not that it was, you know, Crips and Bloods. But it was just a just a poor fit. Everything except knowledge of the game and calling plays and Ron Roberts could do all that. The fourth and thirty one. I don't know. I was sitting at a restaurant bar because I had mistaken. I don't know what I'd done. I lost my mind and said, "Yeah, honey, go ahead, schedule that." So we're meeting people. I was like, "I'm in the bar till this is over." 
Fourth and 31, I'm like, blitz him. Whatever else you do, just blitz him. An instinct will take over, and as soon as he crosses the line of scrimmage, he's done. Ron Roberts did not have the same thought. Um, in fact, they played 10 on 11 because Eugene Asante, I don't know what he was doing. But no, I'm going to take that back. He's doing exactly what he was told to do. Um, I don't know what the goal was there of having him kind of hoverboard around five to eight yards off the line of scrimmage. Um, and so it really was 10 on 11, and you had two rushing. <laughs> and so you had seven or eight in the end zone. Somehow you still had a guy with single coverage, and he gets uncovered and makes the catch. I mean, it just it, it can't happen. And I mean that. It can't happen, which is why, like, there are times you just, oh, my gosh, that can't happen. Mm, no, 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 no. I'm saying this the other way. That can't happen. Which, in parenthesis, is uh, we're going to make a change. That can't happen. There are sometimes once is bad enough. You pat the wrong fanny at the Christmas party. I don't know. 2024, you pat any fanny at the Christmas party. But certainly the wrong fanny. Once is enough. HR doesn't, like, let you watch a film strip and answer a Q&A and then say you completed the course and you're back at work. Once can be enough. Fourth and 31 in the Iron Bowl? Montgomery's out. I'm like, what about Roberts? Okay, because he's a good coach. Apparently, he didn't really mind leaving Auburn. Auburn didn't really mind, or excuse me, Hugh Freeze didn't mind him going to UF either. And so they just kind of parted. No $3 million check out the door like the OC gets. I think it was $3 million. Coach Caddy, gone. I don't rumor monger. In fact, I try to go the other way. Um, You don't have to exert much effort to find a lot of online uh, breakdown of how Brian Harson was done wrong reputationally. It was a bad fit, and it was never, ever going to work. I don't know. I think if you gave him 100 million years to get his system in place and import every player he wanted from Oregon and Idaho, it still wasn't going to work at Auburn. But that off-field stuff, that was just treacherous. And then once it was done, though, it was done. It wasn't going to work. I have no idea other than to say Coach Caddy is not at Auburn anymore. And when you look around for an Auburn fan, it's not just him. Zach Etheridge, one year, gone. Now, there's something. Oh, by the way, and I said the weirdness of, I have I have a policy, and I say this regularly about, unless it comes from either the kid or the co- coach or it comes from the school. In the case of college football, I was like, I don't talk about it. Because there is so... Wesley McGriff, he was announced as joining Mike Elko at Texas A&M. I don't know. He's back on Auburn's coaching staff somehow. I, he's, he's like that picture in Back to the Future. Hello, he's back. Oh, look. All right. <laughs> Wesley's back with us. I guess Charles Kelly is going to be D.C., but... He's now listed. It became official. See, that became official. We talked about Wesley McGriff with a Texas A&MX. I think we had Mark Passwaters on. He's like, yeah, Wesley McGriff, can't wait. Boy, can he recruit. It was official. Well, it is official. Charles Kelly is on the staff now. He's been hired, and he's on the staff as, and that was announced, but just no position. Well, now he's co-defensive coordinator who will help with defensive backs. I guess he's helping Wesley McGriff because he's back. 
I, folks, does this sound like a program that's had six days of yay for us? There is a lot to be said for get it right. There is a lot to be said for I don't have so much pride that I can't, because this is Hugh Freeze, man. He's, when it comes to building this staff, he's King Daddy. This is not Brian Harson, who I don't know if this is true or not. Now, initially, this could put him kind of in a tough spot. And I'm talking about respect, success, whatever. But, hey, you're not from here. You knew that when you hired me. So you're going to have to hire some guys who are from here. So Bobo, hi, this is your OC. You're going to hire him, and you're going to hire Derek Mason. I don't know if that happened or not. It's easy to just, you know, have people say that did happen. But then Brian Harson just made it awful by disrespecting Derek Mason, who actually had been a head coach in the SEC before. And um, Derek Mason, to the point, Derek Mason's like, yeah, I'll go to Oklahoma State. I can coach players that Auburn can get or players that Oklahoma State can get. Yeah, I'm going to Stillwater. That, that actually happened. So, yeah, it's been – it's always a goal, get it right – Auburn has been very, very far from having its coaching staff get right. And I don't know if Derek Nix is coming over. I don't know if Damian. Maybe Damian got hired over the weekend somewhere. I don't know. I don't know how that staff's going to look. But I keep thinking, okay, the turnover, is it done now, maybe? And it hasn't been yet. So Hugh Freeze is now adding, and we're now getting actual titles assigned to people. Charles Cowell is going to coach something on defense. Well, it will now be co-defensive coordinator which means i need another name attached to that and he'll be helping with the secondary which is now coached by a guy who was on elko staff like a week ago after leaving auburn all right we're gonna take a quick break come back talk a little alabama next Back to the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver Show rolling along on this Tuesday and big announcements coming in droves out of Tuscaloosa beginning last Wednesday and on through the weekend. They have a head coach. They've got a D.C. Um, Kalen DeBoer may be filling out the entire staff uh, rapidly. I want to welcome on right now from AL.com, long history of covering Alabama in the state. Uh, I want to welcome on Craig Stevenson. How you doing, brother? Uh, doing all right, Chuck. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Kalen DeBoer. And the most recent headline is he has his defensive coordinator, uh, Kane Womack, who Dave Womack's kid, uh, who is now going from head coach at South Alabama to D.C. Um, in Tuscaloosa. Talk about how that happened. Yeah, well, Kalen DeBoer and, and Kane Womack go way back. They were coaches together at Indiana in 2019. Uh, Kalen was the offensive coordinator and, and uh, Kane was the defensive coordinator. They've maintained a pretty close friendship. Kane has described Kalen as one of his best friends in coaching. He went over to visit with them uh, during the Sugar Bowl week when uh, they were in New Orleans, which is obviously a quick drive over from from Mobile. So that's kind of how it happened. Um, I know there were some other names considered. I think once Traveris Robinson kind of fell by the wayside, then I think Gain Womack was probably the next guy on the list for sure. 
Well, talk about the kind of defense that an Alabama fan who's listening right now may see. Uh, what is the signature? If Kane Womack's DNA is all over a performance on a Saturday, what does that look like? Yeah, they run a four-two-five, which is becoming more and more common. And actually, his father Dave is one of the creators of this particular scheme. Very heavily dependent on safeties. The safeties are going to be kind of the stars of this defense. They uh, they will get a lot of opportunities to make plays on the ball. It's they call it a vision defense, where they're not necessarily running to a man, but they're running to the ball. Um, they will attack, you know, lots of, of blitzing and uh, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, obviously two two regular inside linebackers that kind of play in the box and then one guy that's kind of on the edge as an edge rusher along with a, a defensive end on the other side. So that's kind of where it's at with that. Well, with him running the program down in Mobile, they won. And bowl game and yeah. fancy new crib and all of it. I mean, it was all point north down at uh, USA. Um, what was the off-field rap from uh, Womack? What was the, the reputation? Because we saw most recently with Brian Harson that if you don't get it in state, you can do everything you want from the portal. Um, it still matters with high school relationships. What about the recruiting uh, connections that he built in his years in Mobile? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, really, obviously South Alabama was not going to beat out Auburn or Alabama for many players, but they did compete well with the group of five schools, and they kind of recruited across the I-10 corridor from New Orleans to Tallahassee as well as within the state. They did pretty well in Birmingham, I I thought, you know, compared to in the past and obviously the Mobile area. You know, they draw a lot of guys from this. They they really focused on uh, actually – made it a point to recruit Mobile harder than maybe some of the other staffs had done here. But, um, you know, I, I think he's got a good reputation as a recruiter, obviously young, energetic guy who has coached in the, this part of the country a lot. Not only at South Alabama, but was also got to start at Ole Miss, kind of uh, came up through the Hugh Freeze uh, staff at, at Ole Miss as a GA and uh, played at Arkansas, played at Southern Miss, so has all kind of contacts all, this, all over this part of the country. All right, well, let's talk about some recruiting maybe on the current roster. Um, and it takes, Craig, it takes less than anything now to start a rumor. Um, yeah. Is Caleb Downs maybe going to transfer? I've, I've heard that a lot, but not from anywhere on campus, really. Is that a thing? That's a good question. I think we'll, you know, it's kind of a wait and see thing. I think everybody's waiting to see if he actually goes in the portal. I think it almost seems like it's one of those due diligence things for guys now that they will go in the portal just to see what's out there. And, you know, they don't know the the current staff most. What's that? Take the pulse. Yeah, exactly. They don't know the current staff. They don't really know what they're about. They don't know what kind of, you know, philosophy they're going to have until they get out there and see it. And, you know, I, I would say that, Probably everybody is in play on one level or another. Now, you know, I do know that, you know, Ken Womack's leaving Mobile today, and uh, one of his first order of business is, is to start calling defensive players and to kind of keep the roster together. Now, and that's the you made a bigger point there. So when you see the outgoing transfers after any coaching search, by I would change, by the way, the kids can, you know, they can portal. Um, yeah. When you see this, and the number with Alabama is 26 right now, and I'll say rising, Trey Amos got in. Um, An Alabama fan, like, not all of these kids are even really intending to transfer. It is just, all right, I need to protect myself and at least keep the option open. That's just kind of true in this situation generally, even more so with a Saban move involved, right? 
Yeah, for sure. And, you know, of course, you have some schematic defense differences. A guy may have been recruited to play one particular style. We used to see it back in the old days with the, the spread offense. We'll go to a pro style and, you know, all of a sudden, where's the tight end? You know what I'm saying? You, you guy that was recruited to run the – all those guys at Georgia Tech that were recruited to run the triple option. And, you know, they make a coaching change and where, where are they going to play? You know, so it's kind of – there's some of that as well. And, uh, yeah, some guys that – said, hey, I'm, you know, I would have gone to Georgia or LSU, but I really wanted to play for Nick Saban. Well, Nick Saban's not there anymore. So, you know, that sort of thing happens as well. Last thing, and I hate to be crass, I mean, talk about another man's wallet, but uh, Womack, I mean, South Alabama's public, and so, you know, they show yeah. you where they spend their money. It was about 800000 a year. Any idea right. what the pay bump is? Because going from head coach at G5 to a coordinator, especially in the SEC, that's been a thing for a while. Dan Enos has done it. We've seen this happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sean Lewis was another one. Uh, and then, of course, just Ants left uh, North Dakota State. Good USC. Right. Yeah, I, I, I've been told it's more than doubled, uh, more than $2 million. I don't know how much more than $2 million, but that's what, wow. probably what they're looking at. Yeah. Well, so, do you even have to talk to your wife at that point? Or, like, <laughs> do you just tell her, honey, we'll, we'll send somebody. They'll pack everything. Um, yeah. What a tremendous opportunity. Yeah, from the time of the first contact to actually accepting the job was about 18 hours is what I what it explained to me. So it didn't seem like a very difficult decision. He may be a better husband than me. I mean, it may have been even less time. Uh, I appreciate you coming on and uh, giving the details there. Thank you, Craig, so much. All right, Chuck. Take care. All right, brother. Craig Stevenson, AL.com. Covers all the teams in the state. But we talk Alabama regular. We're talking Auburn. Uh, today as well, uh, but wanted to cover South Alabama and the program and the outgoing coach there because that's exactly what we got is Kane Womack is now the D.C. And so it was like 800 and of several thousand as head coach. Like I said, they won, by the way. This is not, um, you know, they were just a middling program and maybe going to move on. Mm-mm. They won. And there are a lot of recruiting advantages down there. The facility is now in a smaller version, but it's an NFL caliber. Jim Nagy told us that. The NFL itself has told us that. And I don't want to say the leftovers. The kids that Bama and Auburn just would never get to, there's a lot of really good players. And so this is a challenge for the Jags, but it is maybe a real get for the Alabama Crimson Tide program. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Come back. Continue with Chuck Oliver Show next. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer.
Catch the king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. I'm always one for glass half full, positive spin. And so if you're a Vanderbilt Commodores fan, there was a question that had sort of, it popped up organically on its own. Clark Lee know how to hire? Because he had announced weird things like, I think it was like a week into August camp. The OC's not the OC anymore. Um, So he had had some fits and starts hiring and assembling a staff. Um maybe he's gotten a lot better with his hiring because other programs are like big time programs and big time conferences are hiring away some of his assistants. Maybe that's the case. Maybe there are assistants looking around for a better op because Vanderbilt has not been achieving what they need to on the field. I don't know that we're going to turn to somebody who does VandySports.com. It's a rivals thing. Chris Lee. Welcome. How you doing today? Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. All right, let's talk about uh, just the tangible. Penn State is hiring an assistant. Uh, Wisconsin came and got the O-line coach, and uh, Vandy has announced they're hiring the Kennesaw State coach. I think that's right. Uh, I think that's official. Uh, So you've got to have your 10 assistants, and he'll have them. Um, What are they losing in the guys that are going to Big Ten programs? Because Clark Lee, I think he had earned some questions about his ability to assemble a staff. Why are these guys leaving? Well, the the Lustig one is the one that hurts. Uh, He was a tight ends coach and the special teams coach. And I know Penn State came calling for him a year ago. I I have an acquaintance in the analytics community, and they do a lot of stuff to – and I'm getting too deep in the weeds for myself here. I'm, I'm just taking his word for it to kind of do the data and say what kind of difference does a coach make. And Justin Lustig was one of the most highly regarded special teams guys in the country. That They had one All-American on the roster last year was Matt Hayball. He was their punter. So I think as a, as a special teams coach, that's a loss. Uh, as a tight ends coach, hard to tell. Their tight end room was so bad a year ago. Uh, their starter got hurt in spring practice, and they just didn't have anybody else left to, to really be a factor from there. The, the offensive line coach is the one, Chuck, that just really – man, I don't know what to think. Because I, I think that when A.J. Blazek took the job – and I, I really like A.J. He's one of the salt-of-the-earth human beings. Uh, he's, he's a likable guy, and I can't help but think that helps in recruiting. But – he took over for Peter Rossomondo off uh, the Mason staff. Rossomondo stayed on for a few weeks. That was one hire that a lot of people questioned because Rossomondo had nothing to work with um, in the 2020 season, and I think he made chicken salad out of other things. Um, it was more confident than anybody expected. So when they went to Blazek, I think people had questions about that. The offensive lines at Vanderbilt were never great. Last year should have been a lot better than it was. But I say with that with the caveat, there was some weird stuff going on with their strength and conditioning coach, and, and nowhere has that felt more than on the offensive line. So I, I don't know if – and I guess the final thing is when Wisconsin hires an offensive line coach, those guys usually know what they're doing. So I, I've got a lot of mixed signals with that one, and I don't know exactly what to think. 
Well, I want to ask you if you feel comfortable or if you know uh, when you say there was uh, some issues with strength and conditioning, was it as simple as the coach wanted explosion and he was, you know, adding bulk or was it uh, beyond that sort of normal thing? I think it's in in the family things that you just mentioned, uh, which again, um, you know, but but in the end, I don't think the strength that get it. There were some weird things going on behind the scenes with that too. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't I don't know entirely where to lay the blame um, with, with that one, which again against the backdrop of the offensive line departure. It's hard for me to know exactly what I think because what my eyes told me was that wasn't a big loss. Uh, what the background told me was that there were some things that were out of his control, perhaps. Well, let's talk big picture um, because there's always – there's no sport like football. I mean, there are so many layers to the onion, so much context. But Vanderbilt isn't winning. Does Vanderbilt have to win for Clark Lee to continue to be the head coach? <laughs> Chuck, winning hasn't been a huge requirement for any job at Vanderbilt in in, in a long time. Um and I, I, that's not meant as a shot at Clark Lee, but you're seeing it in basketball right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a weird place. The leadership has been poor. Look, he's won he's won two games in the SEC since he's been there. Look, year one when he took over, you know, you say ground zero, they were ground minus something. I mean, it was underground when he took over. And the confusing thing was he won five games in year two, won two in the SEC. I thought that was ahead of schedule, and then last year it completely fell apart. Um, I, I will say this. I, I think the shuffling, good or bad or indifferent, you need some change. I, I think the thing that's kind of interesting to me, and this isn't what, what you asked me, but I think the addition of Jerry Kill to the off-field staff is going to be interesting. I think Clark had some blind spots in his leadership last year. Uh, you, you talk about bad programs. You know, Vanderbilt is probably the worst program in the Power Five. New Mexico State might be the hardest place to win in, in all of college football. It's certainly on the top five. Well, they put together two winning seasons in a row. They won, what, 10 games a year ago? Mm-hmm. So that's a guy that knows how to take programs where it's tough to do it. He's had a bird's eye view of it. I'm really interested to see how him being around behind the scenes changes the way or doesn't change the way that Clark Lee does things this year. Wrap it up and talk with Chris Lee, fannysports.com, and we're talking Commodores football, and we're going to talk specifically Commodores offense because they were just – every way you can come up to say bad, they were bad last year. And kind of the rules will give you some points and some yards. I mean, you know, they've changed everything. You're supposed to be able to look good on offense, and Vanderbilt did not. How do they improve just through new coaching because they got to get new players? And I don't mean like graduating into the NFL, et cetera. Uh, like all the skill position players are gone, aren't they? Like portal or, or, or graduation or whatever. Well, not, not all of them, but a lot of them. But, but it's interesting. There's, there's a little bit of a background there. I think they figured out, look, they built their, their program around A.J. Swan. Yep. They thought he was their future. He had an NFL-type arm, but he just didn't develop. He showed up to camp kind of out of shape. Uh, he was undisciplined in his approach to practice at times and games through interceptions. He's a talented player, and look, a lot of kids at that age, uh, you know, t- take a wrong step. Maybe their head gets a little full with getting a job that quickly. But they figured out, I think around the UNLV game, Chuck, that if they were going to win, 
they were going to have to go back to more the way that it worked last year where Mike Wright, and it wasn't always pretty passing the ball, but Mike Wright gave defenses fits because on third and eight, when you got everything covered, he was a guy that could break containment and get first downs. And they won two games with that being a big part of, of what they did. Of course, Mike Wright was at Mississippi State this year, um, and you saw the same things went, the way things went. The reason their quarterback room hit the portal pretty quickly, they knew that the staff knew that it had to change its game in terms of offensive approach. Went and got Nate Johnson. Remains to be seen if that's an overall improvement in the quarterback position, but boy, the kid can fly. So that's what they're going with. Um, Skill position, they did lose a a lot of their receiving room. I I think the Will Shepard one might be addition by subtraction. Uh, Jaden McGowan, I think they got a better version of him and Junior Sherrill. The one that hurts is London Humphreys, who is now at Georgia. That, That kid could absolutely fly. Would have probably been their leading receiver this year. Uh, their running back room isn't very good. Uh, we'll see what they do with it. They'll get a bump in the tight end room with Cole Spence being healthy this year. But um, I, I don't know how much the talent's better, but but it's all going to be dictated by change of philosophy with a mobile quarterback. And, again, uh, that's a place where you can't always tangibilize, uh, if that's even a word, and I don't think it is. No, it is now. It works out. But, but that's how they won games two years ago. Yeah. No, we, you know, we had Don King on years ago, and he said delemonized. Uh, he says, I'm delemonized. I don't know what to do. And I was like, it just became a word. No, that's a word now. Wrapping up, Chris Lee, bandysports.com. Uh, if we look at, you mentioned Nate Johnson. Um, what is the idea uh, for the offense to do with him? Because he actually played at Utah, and, and I'm just wondering, what's, what's the vision for him? Well, you know, they hired an offensive coordinator as a guy from, from New Mexico State. Uh, he's been around. He's, he's coached a while. And, again, back back to this New Mexico State yep. thing where it's a tough place to win. What do they do with Diego Paiva this year? They, they turned him loose. He made plays with his feet, with his arm. And you saw how that turned out. I mean, Auburn, New Mexico State traditionally is a huge mismatch. New Mexico State went in there and, and won that game going away. I think that's the jumping off point. How do we take a place where they took something against the odds and beat the kind of teams that they're going to have to play? Uh, and I think they put most of their chips in on that. Last question for you, and this may just be an opinion, but uh, I remember talking to James Franklin years ago, and I was like, what are you selling, man? Because he started beating Tennessee in in-state recruiting in some ways. And he said, $300,000 education. I was like, no, what are you really selling? Um, I remember Mark Rick had a quote. He said, it's girls football in school when he played. He said, now with name, image, likeness, it's money girls football school. Uh, do recruits really care about the three hundred or $350,000 education today? Because I, it was always kind of third. Is it fourth now? Like has the Vanderbilt, the one angle kind of even lost an edge? Yes and no. Um, and I'll give you the answer here in, in two parts. Um, Knowing that the kind of kids that want to win SEC football games, for the most part, are not worried about that. Um, it, it doesn't matter how good your education is. If you can't play football, you're off the list. Now, having said that, uh, I, I know somebody knows that program well for decades and, and will tell me the way it is. And we started talking about NIL and facilities, and he said, no, wait a minute. You know, all the things that I've said about it's impossible for them to win. If you start investing to the level that other schools are in NIL, 
um, you got a shot. NILs and new facilities. And, and he gave me two examples. Andrew Luck. He said that's the kind of kid that what Vanderbilt would have been very attracted to out of high school, but they were so far behind everybody else, um, he wasn't in the picture. Greg McElroy gave them a look uh, for a while. Rhodes Scholar ended up at Alabama. Um, Barrett Jones, another example. I think his parents had gone to Vanderbilt, looked at him a while, but at the end of the day, all those kids who can really play, maybe every couple of decades you get one that, that thumbs his nose at it and says, okay, I'll take my chances. All those kids at the end of the day, they want to win. If you can equalize the other stuff where it's not miserable and you can communicate to your, your players you want to recruit through facilities and NIL, uh, that, that we're taking this seriously now. Maybe you can start winning some of those matchups now. And yep. th- this guy said, I, I think there's enough players in that vein that they can get to be successful, enough smart kids that you can get if you are the best in that that subset of academic schools at, at football and convincing people you got the right vision. Uh, so that that's that's the wild card is if they can get there, I think they can start winning some of those kids because some of them are smart and want things like that. But the football's been so bad. They're just, at the end of the day, not in the discussion. I promise I'll let you run after this. Updated timeline on the uh, crib being ready? The uh, All of Nashville is under construction and has been for years, yeah. but specifically the stadium and around there? Uh, start start a 2025 season. I think the basketball stuff's going to be done in that one end zone um, for their practice facilities for the start of 2024. That end zone that was closed is where that's going to be the last thing to be done. That's supposed to be ready before 2025. Um, You know, it's a big improvement. Don't get me started. It should have been done by now, but it's not. But it's about to look dramatically different over there, uh, what, you know, 18 months from now. Can't tell you how many games I did in high school press boxes that were more uh, appointed appropriately than Vanderbilt's press box over the years. So uh, I got to agree with you there, Chris. Thank you for coming on, friend. Hey, thanks, Chuck. VandySports.com, Plywood. Heath, have I asked you this? You ever go to the press box at Vanderbilt? I have done that. It's uh, not, not been an impressive place historically. No, it was I, literally. Now, it doesn't mean that the high schools are correct to do this, but it doesn't like, what is that McKinley Independent School District out in Texas or Allen, Texas, that just they spend like $60 million has become kind of the go at rate for their high school, school district, big giant uh, fake grass stadium. I know Allen's the one that spent all that money and then wound up in a position where they had to, uh, they had like a crack in it or something, had to get it redone. I just spent like 20 million on it. Yeah. So, like, that's what what they're doing over there. Um, It doesn't have to be that sort of $60 million high school palace. I've done high school games at just regular old stadiums. And you look around and you're like, oh, walls and floors and glass. And like all of these things at Vanderbilt for a while was like, why would we spend money on that? And they weren't being snarky or defiant. They really didn't understand. Why would we spend money on this? Um, I did see the release when they announced all the upgrades. And by the way, I, whiny media, I've always said, one, don't complain about free food. All right. So don't do that. But I need to be able to work. And so when the announcements started coming out about upgrades to the stadium and basketball and the offices and the recruiting lounge and the family center and like all this stuff at Vanderbilt, I kept, I was like, press, 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 press. One of the selling points, and I'm not making this up, hand of the Lord, 
windows that will open both in and out. I was like, okay, they will both open and close. I was like, okay, so I guess they're Florida windows maybe with a crank on it. Um, but they're redoing everything, and it's long overdue. So good for Vanderbilt. Getting serious about it, but it is such a huge overhaul. This is not, we'll get it done in one off season and by first pitch or tip off or coin flip of the next year, we'll be ready. This is going all the way through this calendar year, next summer, target kickoff. Uh, that's why I asked. I was like, like they said this is going to be a two-year deal of if you have a game at Vanderbilt, it looks like a war zone. Um, and so that will continue. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back, Rapid Power 1 next. More college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. So everybody has talked about, well, Lane to this job, Lane to that job, Lane's going to leave, all that stuff. LSU, Alabama, Texas A&M, Miami, Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, Southern Cal have all come open since Lane Kiffin has been the head coach at Ole Miss. And he is entering year five as the head coach at Ole Miss. Michael Borky, we call him regular. He's part of that Super Talk Mississippi thing that Hate Ad and Cross do. And it is the permanence to this point, five years for Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin was not head coach of the Raiders for five years. He was certainly not head coach of Tennessee for five years. Wasn't head coach at FAU for five years. Uh, he has been at Ole Miss, and he will continue to be at Ole Miss. And he looks loaded this year even more so than – it's not only they look better and deeper and everything for 2024, I believe, but there's still a lot of just kind of improvements sitting around waiting to be grabbed on defense. Like, they can still easily get even better over there. I think they will be better on offense. And that's not as easy. I lost Quinchon Jenkins. I'm like, I think they'll be better. Uh, so he's got a really loaded team. So it's not just the team itself may play at a higher level. It's easier to get there, man. There are three times as many. There are three times as many playoff teams uh, in the coming season than the one we just completed. So. Uh, Michael Borky with his comments there. Heath, how's your Tuesday? Yeah, it's interesting, Chuck, just how quickly the dominoes can fall in this sport. Uh, looking at it with the word coming down, obviously, yesterday, hey, Jed Fish on his way to Washington. Now San Jose State's Brent Brennan looks like he's going to be the guy that leaves yep. there to go to Arizona. And so here you have a situation where one week ago, Everybody's just kind of minding their own business and, and doing their own thing and maybe even thinking, hey, we're going to have a nice team this year. And then Nick Saban says, yep, I'm out of here. And just one man's choice to say I'm retiring, Washington, Arizona, now South Alabama with them losing Womack, and, and then San Jose State. Four schools, total chaos for them, mm -hmm. all because one dude decides he wants to retire. And meanwhile, we're all sitting here waiting to see what Harbaugh does. And a lot of people thought maybe DeBoer was going to be the guy, if they went outside, that would be the guy for Harbaugh. But now, obviously, that's not an option. So I think that Michigan's going to promote from within with Sharon Moore and maybe nothing happens. But if we're wrong about that, if they know something about Sharon Moore and 
you know, the sign-stealing stuff or whatever, something along those lines would cause them to say, no, 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 we need a fresh person from outside the staff. I mean, Chuck, if, if Nick Saban could set off tremors at San Jose State, I mean, who knows what Michigan could do if they decide yeah. to actually go looking for somebody. No, it's not done. Do you remember? It was actually last Wednesday, uh, several hours before he made his announcement. My first topic was Harbaugh will be the first, but he won't be the last. Harbaugh hadn't even left yet, and we've already gotten all this. I- um, so we talked about it and it's not done. And it is the spider web effect that now was all the way out to San Jose state. By the way, they're going to come take somebody, somebody listening right now, your coach is leaving to go to coach the Spartans. It's just funny too, because uh, you don't know now, especially if you're smaller schools, uh, you might say, oh, well, no one wants our head coach to be head coach. But again, if, if you've got a head coach who is looking at things and sizing up what his possibilities are, the reality is he's got a lot better chance of getting a big job from being a coordinator somewhere it's happened before. You mentioned earlier, Dan Enos. It certainly has happened in this conference before in the SEC. I think it's going to happen more places where you're going to see folks say, hey, I, you know, who am I kidding here? I'm not going to get where I want to go being Eastern Michigan's head coach or whatever. Go take a job somewhere else. But, again, we got another one just sitting out there waiting to drop. Yeah. I, I've got a friend who works with the UNLV program, and I can tell you every time any job in the West opens, uh, they get super nervous about – anything happening with Odom and, and anything in the Southeast too. So he's, he can't wait for this to be over with and it keeps happening. And it keeps freaking him out. Yeah. Like I said, it's not over and uh, it'll be a whole new set of reverb because you have to go all the way back to the absolute top rung of the ladder. If the Michigan job, and I think when it opens, you start all of this over with the best of the candidates and then the trickle down after. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan Wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. 